everybody. Welcome back to the Better Call Saul Insider Podcast, episode 405, Quite a Ride. Quite a Ride is the title of this episode. Is that inspired by, of course, the Robbery Homicide Division episode, Wild Ride? Jesus. That's a joke just for me and Vince. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's, and all that's the, some inside baseball. And all those cut. RHD heads out there. We know that you're out there. was a damn there. good show, by the it, way. There's a lot of great stuff yeah, in it. Yeah, there was. Uh, and uh, that is not what this is. Um, this episode was written by Ann Cherkis and directed by Michael Morris. And it was edited by Skip McDonald. I'm Chris McCaleb. I did not edit this episode, though I do edit some of these uh, episodes, and we're joined by someone who has edited quite a few of these episodes, the co-host of the podcast, Kelly Dixon. Hey, everybody. How's it going? I'm Kelly Dixon. I'm over here in New York uh, joining on remote. Hey, Kelly Dixon. I'm Chris McCaleb. I know. It's so weird, Chris. It's great to meet like, you. It's, it's weird because I'm just so used to this. You know what I do now, too? It's like when I have to meet somebody when I'm cutting this feature or something, I say, hi, how you doing? I'm Kelly Dixon. I'm one of the editors. And I'm like, um, no, I'm actually the editor, but it's, I'm just so that used to right. saying I'm one of the editors. So it's, it's just kind of weird, but it's great to be here. Um, and, uh, thank you guys for letting me join you. The episodes are super, super, super. I hope everybody is enjoying them. Well, we're glad that you could be here today and I, I know you're, you've had a crazy schedule, so I'm glad we could fit this in. Uh, and yeah. as, as always with us, our co-creators and executive producers, Peter Gould and Vince Gilligan. Hello. Hey, hey guys. And, of course, always Joey Reinish. Hello. How you doing, man? Good, good. Uh, and we have not one, not two, but three special guests today. I've already mentioned her name. She's the writer of this episode and quite a few episodes that you already love of this show. Anne Cherkis. Hi. Nice to be here. It's good to have you. And you wrote, didn't you write Rebecca 205? I did. I did. Which Kelly edited. Yes, and, Kelly uh, edited... Two of my three episodes. That's right. Yes, that was a uh, damn good one. Very, very lucky. That I. That's one of my favorite. Was that episodes. the one with the with the montage yeah, of Kim, the post-its? Kim montage. That's yes. right. Mm, yes. yes, it was. I I love that episode so much. And uh, me too. It just needed more page. That was the only flaw. <laughs> well, isn't that interesting? Because we've got as much page as we want today. Because Wait, wasn't that the one that introduced page? page? I think it was the one yes, that introduced was. Page. All page all the time. Kara Pifko in the middle. <laughs> right. The orientation fiends the out there. To I am my in right. the middle. On the right. Uh, it's, thanks for coming in, Kara. How you doing? My pleasure. Really, really glad to be here. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited. Oh, we're excited to have you. Uh, and co-executive producer, the woman who runs our lives in post-production, the woman who makes it all happen and who we love very much, Diane Mercer. Hi, everyone. Good to be here. Best best post-producer I've ever worked with. Oh, Kelly. I'll say That's it. Truth. I'll say it's it true. in public. As best post-producer, they should all aspire to be like you. You are fantastic. Thank you so That's much. That's right. And uh, accurate. And, and I love how you always tell us money is no object. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite thing. Well, you know well, what? Can I can I mention as well? I, I probably have said this on other podcasts before, but I want to say that I will say that Diane is so fantastic because you know why? Here's the thing: Diane really knows you know her stuff. She knows the technical side. But the one th one thing that I find a lot of post producers um, that don't go as far as Diane is they don't. Um, they don't really delve into the story. And Diane is totally involved with the narrative. And I think that uh, that is so important. That's true. 
That's, that's, that's definitely true. Thanks, Cam. And, and well, and and there's no better way to to jump into this teaser than with that intro because th- talk about being everybody being involved in. Oh my the god! Story. Okay, can I can I be a fangirl? I'm sorry, Chris. I don't mean to like take over. Go I, ahead. I promise you, I won't. But you know, being not on you know the staff this year is is you know, in itself a downer, but watching this teaser was, I mean, my heart, I was so excited. I was so excited. I even wrote some notes. I'm like, paper shredder. Okay, I want to know how that's done. Francesca! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Saul! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. And I hope I got this right. Jesse's money bag! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Is that right? Jesse's money is that the bag that he brought? Mm. No, that's a good question. That's a great oh. question. Did I mess that up? We've had a lot of money bags on the Did show. I mess that up? Okay, whatever. If it's not, I apologize. But it was wow. awesome. And then I'm like, okay, what the heck is behind the wall? Oh my god, it was so amazing seeing that office, seeing that last day, hearing Jimmy call for the vacuum cleaner guy. Oh my god, I just absolutely had a fit over my breakfast this morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, Kelly, I, you can back me up. I, I wouldn't tell you anything about you kept it. You would pump me for details and I wouldn't tell you anything. But I did say, if you remember, I think you're really going to love the teaser of five. I can't and remember what I, you what you told me, but I you, yes, I will. I, I will tell. Yes, you have not said anything, and yes, you have said many times you're going to be extremely happy. And this, because I felt I to fangirl slash fanboy slash gender neutral fanning. <laughs> I, I I I freaked out reading the script and then getting to watch it. It's it, it, it's so awesome, and I think part of what makes it awesome is that. So this show is shot uh, on the red camera, and there have been several different iterations. Most of the show is shot on on the red camera. Breaking Bad, uh, which shot on film, shot on film, exactly shot on film, baby. And so this teaser, which is the first time we've really spent, is is this the first scene in Better Call Saul that takes place squarely in the Breaking Bad timeline? Yes or no? I believe that is yes. So to, to stylistically, to make it feel like here we are back in the Breaking Bad world, this is Saul Goodman in Saul Goodman's office with Francesca. The decision, I don't, I, I mean, let's talk about that. And Diane is a big part of that because there was a, there was a whole archive project that had to be done. There was, there were, there were so many things that needed to be looked at and decided. But you didn't when, say the key words. That we shot this teaser on film. Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> but here's my question: Who processed it? Where'd you get it processed? Photocam. Photocam oh, is okay. still processing film, so it was actually just like it used to be. We did it. Oh but, my god! I mean, it wasn't exactly like it used to be because now we're in 4K world, so we did scan it instead of transferring to tape, which is what we used to do back in the day. If anybody oh, can believe god. that. Yes. Um, but yeah, we processed it at Photocam, and so I was talking to some people that I hadn't talked to in about six or seven years. Oh, oh. Uh, so just up the really street, fun. just up yeah, uh, just, yeah, right uh, down the street. Down They're one the of the only places where you can still process 35 millimeter. I couldn't believe we got away with doing this. I oh. can't either. The texture well, of it, it it, re- it makes such a huge difference. It really it feels different than the show. This show. So the the process is. I don't want to get too inside baseball, but I, this stuff interests me. So so the way we used to do it, we did shoot expose the negative on Breaking Bad. We shoot film. We shot every. We shot Breaking Bad on film, and then you you just it was a transfer machine to shine a light yeah, through the I negative mean, and then put it on a tape. Or yeah, that's 
basically exactly how it works. It goes through a telecine machine where they, they shine the light through it and they apply the color to it and it goes onto a piece of tape and that's your starting point. Magnetic tape with um, ones and zeros yeah, or like analog digital, tape? Yeah, uh, di- no, digital. Okay, digital, yeah. ones and zeros. Yeah, yeah. ones and zeros. And um, So what's the difference now with the 4K? Uh, now we have to scan it. So we scan it into a digital format. Um, we use a DPX, which is a very high-resolution 4K format. Okay. I mean, it can be anything. But Scanning is, is different in the sense that it's uh, like shining a laser beam or something? Or um, it- I don't – no, I think it's pretty simple. They scan it all raw. So I, they're just – you know, they're, they're processing it, and then they're – you know, they're exposing it, pro- you know, processing it, and then they are shining light through it, but it's all flat raw. And then – so the difference here was – you know, we used to do dailies color and then apply a final color on top of it gotcha. in Breaking Bad days. That's how it's been done for 50 years. That's how lots of movies were done. That's how lots of you know, virtually every TV show that's shot on film was done. Yeah. Um, uh, but now we have to, because we have to deliver in 4K for archival, so we do, uh, we scan it into a digital format and then we have the raw neg- we have the raw digital files. Once the the film is scanned. We never touch it again. It yeah. just goes into storage, and goes we have a these. Salt mine somewhere. No, literally. It I does. Mean, yeah. Under, it under does. your house. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, hope they're keeping tabs on all these negatives. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have it all good, very good. safely tucked away. Right on. Um, uh, so, so the process is a little bit different, um, which does feel a little bit different, but it still feels very different than than digital. And I think that, you know, it was really important to Peter that this be able to stand with the old footage. If you look at an old scene from Saul's office, we didn't want to see Saul's office looking different than it used to look. So we, we worked really, really hard to, ma- to make it be exactly the same as it used to be. The, the funny thing is, I, I thought that one of the big things to conquer in this scene would be that we'd have to recreate Saul's office. I was expecting to have to study study the the stills of Saul's office and go back through the archives and find the blueprints and it turns out Saul Goodman's office was folded so it's been in storage in <laughs> Albuquerque literally since the end of uh of of Breaking Bad and I have to we have to give a shout out to uh, our our uh uh line producer Stu Lyons who yeah, who, thank you, who, Stu. who who line produced uh Breaking Bad and the first season of Better Call Saul he he just he just knew he knew to he knew to hold on to that set, so we un, unfolded the set. But what we did find when we looked at the set more carefully was that there was all kinds of stuff that we could get away with on 2K film that we can't get away with anymore. There's you know, newspaper articles that don't have real text. There's all sorts of little details that uh, that we had to do a little teeny bit more more work on, and it, it was. It's a nostalgia trip for me because uh, I wrote and wrote the episode that introduced Saul Goodman and, of course, introduced his, his office. And I remember going and walking onto that office the first time uh, that uh, our original production designer, Rob Wilson King, did on Breaking Bad and just being so excited but also a little nervous because uh, Saul's office for Breaking Bad was a little bit um, – a little different. It was a little heightened. It was. It was. Yeah. A, you know, Saul. Saul Goodman was a different kind of character for us. At least, I, so I thought back in season two of, of Breaking Bad, and it turns out I didn't understand the Breaking Bad world as well as I thought. So well, there you none go. None of us did. We're making it up as we went, day, yeah. day by day. <laughs> yeah. Hey, here's a question I never thought of, and I'm asking you for the first time here uh, on on our podcast. 
So you got the, the original uh, set, but then you guys have to, to cut through the one of the most uh, iconic uh, spots in the set is the uh, Constitution printed out on the wall behind him. You got to cut that open and you got to pull stuff out that's hidden behind the wall. And so, I mean, what was, is that the original set that just got gouged up? What did you do about that? I believe that the panels, because they needed to make a bunch of them so that they could do different takes of of Bob cutting into the wall. Right. So I think they ended up rescanning that oh, okay. and putting it onto different on, onto a bunch of different panels and then they just kept replacing the panels. Gotcha. So, so they saved the original original one? Let's hope. Uh, That's a good that question. I don't know, but I assume so. And then they went off of that one. Oh, cool. Uh, that yeah, I sense. mean it's 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 wonderful when uh, it's a strange thing to see on a set. We did this a lot, uh, of course, at the end of last season when Chuck was destroying his house, where the art department will actually construct uh, pieces. You know, it's almost almost like a big Lego set where you could they can fly in. You know, so last season Chuck could could bash into a wall. And if we needed to do another take, which hopefully we didn't have to do too often, that entire wall would fly out and a new one would fly in and we could do it all over again. And I'm, I'm thinking that that's exactly what we did here on this, the back wall of Saul's office. Yes. Exactly. And I have to Makes also sense. say, one of the things I love about the scene is Bob just somehow, it was interesting. I was very curious to see how he would approach this. Somehow he gets goes back to this character he really hasn't played uh, since 2013. He hasn't really played Saul Goodman. He's been playing Jimmy McGill. And it, there he is. There's Saul Goodman. And he I don't know how he did it exactly, but he, he looks different to me. Uh, his face looks – and there's no, there's no fancy makeup. There's nothing digital there. That's just – Pure acting, and and I, I just it's love it. It's the hair. It's the hair. It's the hair. The hair too. Yeah. Right back to Saul. Yeah. Well, from an, from so an actor's point of view, I observe it's different. Like his spine is different. How he moves is different. Like there's, it's like it's it's different animal. If you were to take it down to its animal nature, one is a snake, <laughs> but who's all slimy and gooey, and you never know which way he's going to go. He might be able to like disappear and slide under a door, <laughs> like some sort of hamster superhero power. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the clothes too. They're clothes yeah. too. I mean, yeah. and we even the clothes. One of the hardest things to match. I mean, the set I think was not a big deal, but the hardest thing to match was the bandaid on his nose. Oh. That was really? yeah, because we we didn't have we had a few pictures from the time, but he wasn't photographed. You know, in the show, it, there's only a few shots of it, you know? Yeah, right. And um, they're all from, you know, this is a time period that we didn't see. This, this is something we never saw before. We saw the before and we saw the after. But, you know, even though you kind of think you were in Saul's office when this was happening, that was actually season four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that was you like were. the hardest thing when you're going back to try and remember, like, oh, but with the shredder and this and that, and Francesca was doing this and that. And it was like, no, no, that was like a whole year earlier <laughs> that that was happening when he was, you know, when right. before when Gus was still around, you know. Right. Um, and so then we had to we were trying to just find good pictures of this very specific right. bandage that he had on his nose from Jesse, you know, mm -hmm. attacking him. Good yep. point. I think that answers your earlier question, uh, Kelly, is that uh, that's not Jesse's money bag because Jesse's already gone, right? Yeah. Jesse already beat the hell out of. But did, you, I you thought Jesse left scene, some. Kelly. I can't remember. Shoot, 
I got to go back and it, binge watch I've heard Breaking the shows, Bad. I've heard the show's very good. <laughs> very I well I think you'll regarded. enjoy it. Very well It's regarded. amazing how much I forget. I swear to God. I just forget so much. You can't keep it all straight in my head. A lot head. of stuff happened. A lot of stuff happened. Yeah. Well, and when, how was the decision made to halfway through the fourth season to actually meet up with the Breaking Bad timeline? Yeah, me too. I want to know that too. I usually like to ask those writers room questions. How did that start? I Where beat did you, you the guys, punch, Kelly. Yeah. How did, yeah, <laughs> exactly. But you know, you and I, we're, we've all been, we've always been kind of like true. along the same lines I, on that. I think one of the things I don't know, and you, you tell me how mm-hmm. you remember. I remember thinking we better do this soon, because the longer the show goes on, the closer we're going to get to Breaking Bad, and flashing forward is not going to have the same impact if Jimmy right. McGill has gone far down the road to being Saul Goodman. So mm-hmm. we wanted to. I think a lot of it was about. Uh, thinking about the end of the the episode, the end, uh, where, what he says at the very end of this episode. Is that right, Anne? Yeah. I think originally we had just been throwing around teaser ideas, you know, just as we do. And um, one, of, one of the ideas that we all really liked was flashing forward. We had always talked about flashing forward, even in previous seasons. Um, and it was just about finding the right, place for it as as always is just finding you know the very most organic way to to do it and uh yeah and it ended up falling here and right as as you're saying peter it we thought it worked well with with the ending um and hopefully people understood or at least you know maybe after watching realized that what Jimmy's saying at the very end of the episode is it's it's very bittersweet. It's very sad because that's not going to end up happening. He's not going to become the lawyer that he he states he wants to be, uh, you know, in his PPD interview. And we know that he's not going to be in, you know, he's not going to have a firm with, with Kim. And he's not going to, uh, you know, be the best lawyer he can be and all of those things. In spite of what the cups say. Yes, yes, exactly, (laughs) exactly. And so we, we thought that was a great, that was a great way to frame the episode. The, the whole series is just seething with irony, and there's there here's another another example. Well, and I love the, the the line that you wrote, and I love the way Bob played it. That 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 got me. That I like maybe screamed out loud even reading the script is when he when he hands her the card and says, "Tell him Jimmy sent you." I know. It's like it. I got. I just got a little bit of chills thinking about it. Just like bringing these two worlds, like indelibly bringing them together, and then you know. Jimmy's still there. Jimmy's been there the whole time. We don't know how much of him is still in there. We don't know how much of a character Saul Goodman is. We don't know how much of a character Jimmy McGill is, you know. And Francesca knows Jimmy. Very like, that's much. That's the weird part yeah. to me, too. What happened to her? What happens to her? Very good point. Makes how, me so sad. It's really sad. I mean, how, how much her spirit has been crushed in the, in, in the ensuing four or so four or five years yeah. of working with Saul Goodman yeah that's so great saying Tana Parker again she's fantastic yeah, yeah. Well, let me What's ask it? a stupid question and maybe I just don't remember but like okay so Francesca they le- they let Francesca go when they closed down the office how come Francesca can't be Kim's paralegal 
Francesca is not a paralegal. Paralegal oh. is a, something you have to study for. It takes it's 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 like half a law school essentially. Oh, okay. And so and so you wouldn't hire somebody who is you know from the DMV uh, as a receptionist. You hire one person as a receptionist. You hire somebody else as a paralegal. Got paralegals it. paralegals are awesome. Rah rah paralegals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, got it. Oh, can I ask about the paper shredder? Can you ask? No. Can you talk about? Oh, come on, <laughs> come on, Vince. This is totally a question up your alley. You like to know the, you know, how the hows and how they do those things. Yeah, that's true. What, what's, a, what's your question? <laughs> how did they do it? How did they do the paper shredder? Um, I, 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 I don't know a hundred percent for sure, but it was that was actually shot on the red because we needed the higher frame rate. Oh, uh, yeah. So that we could run it in slow motion. Um, and I think it's just, you know, our amazing special effects team, which is um, Werner and, uh, and Bob House, right? That's right. What, um, what's the question specifically? How come it doesn't, the paper doesn't cover the lens? No, I was just curious. How they, did they big, build a rig and just put the camera yeah. underneath it and just do it? Oh, okay. Cool. That's exactly it's right. Cool. And that was actually one of the last things we shot for the season. Oh, yeah? A, yeah, we shot oh, it a couple wow. of times. It's, yeah. it's, uh, it, was, it was a tricky thing to shoot. Uh, and it, and it, we ended up getting a whole selection of different, I mean, we have now, lots this is a deep dive, a whole selection of different shredding. frame rates and also uh, shutter angles. Uh, oh, yeah. My initial thought was that we should shoot it. I always advocate for this, and we never end up doing it. Uh, shoot it the way they do in TV commercials and use a, a rig where you um, uh, use strobes that flash for each frame to get each frame super sharp. Oh, is that it? But when we, when, we did, when we did it in a very narrow uh this is all you can wikipedia all this uh when we go at a very narrow uh shutter angle it, it actually didn't quite look as good so we ended up you know we ended up they're, they're very wisely uh very wisely marshall marshall shot a lot of different variations and we also realized as we went that the shot started looking like it was black and white because it was all white paper against uh, a black shredder and so we ended up adding a little bit of color to the paper which helps helps it to helps it to integrate into the rest of the scene a little bit better you mean Uh, you mean you put a piece of colored we use a piece of colored paper exactly and colored colored text on the paper colored text yeah Yeah. that was smart but also yeah well i was just going to say now now you got me thinking about it because it is a very cool shot the paper doesn't pile up on the lens so that was my next question a little (laughs) fan or something to keep it blowing off there a little air pressure or something none of us in this room were there when they when they shot this i'm <laughs> sorry i'm sorry kara kara yes we, we were you there the uh the trick it, it, we returned to the hamsters <laughs> there was a small <laughs> army of hamsters that just kicked and kicked and kicked like and that's it. how they got the little papers sorry like this is good <laughs> speaking of which we should talk about the mention that again the director michael morris what a, yes. his first episode uh for us and what a great job he did oh, oh my yeah. god he did an incredible job um you know, I was there on set with him, and he, uh, he, he shot so much footage in such a short amount of time, and we're still, yeah, Peter and I were talking about, like, how he actually did that, and I was there, and I don't quite know. Um, he really had a vision. He really had a vision, and we, he, he worked so hard in prep. And I think, you know, it's certainly paid off. And he just, he had, he has really good taste, yeah. you know, from casting, background, ed, uh, background players to, I mean, to everything. He just, he really understood the show. I think he had done his homework and then some. 
and he just I don't know he killed it he did just uh, just uh, for those of you who are uh, production heads uh, one thing that just blew me away that amazed me was that he shot everything you see at the doghouse every frame of that was shot in two split nights in other words there were two days where he would start off somewhere else shooting dur- during the day and then move to the doghouse so it was essentially everything at that uh, including that montage and the scene with the the biker gang and Jimmy getting beat up that was all shot in the equivalent of one working day wow. and I I, I I do not know how he did it I was there for a little bit I was lucky enough to be there and this was one of the I think it's maybe the one of the first times I brought guests to a set mm-hmm. and it was exactly the perfect my, my daughter and her friend were visiting. Uh, and then her friend's father was there, <laughs> and they came at the perfect moment because Bob was in his tracksuit, uh, strutting. And meanwhile, <laughs> we had three cameras working. One of which, uh, Matt Cradle, our B camera operator, was in the doghouse shooting scenes of hot dogs turning and all sorts. Of th- we could do a whole montage of just hot dogs and sh- milkshakes. <laughs> oh, right. um, like Chris Mayer was saying there's hours cheese. of footage of the hot dogs. It's, wow. it's, oh it's, it's a remarkable, th- yeah. this, is, this is one of those things where you just have to appreciate this is the best crew imaginable. Kara, I, I just, I, I'm not trying to hijack uh, you're not Chris hijacking. and Kelly, your, your, your podcast, but we have Kara here. You were, you were such a, an amazing actress, oh my uh, and, and and I got I got to direct you in one scene, but I've enjoyed every single performance you've you've I done. I loved the show. when you directed because oh. when we came in on your episode, you sat down in the middle of the courtroom. And you sat there, and I remembered looking at you and saying, there is a man who is enjoying this process. First of all, we had a rehearsal, which is not the case everywhere you go, so thank you. And in that case, just watching you sit there, I've described you as a kid in a candy store, watching your words, both your words, flying around over you. You just looked so happy, and it was such a great way to start the day. So thank you for that. Oh, so I covered up all my fear and anxiety. That's good. Uh, works, uh, it's, it's a good it actor it's, now. Well, Kara, what episode was that? This was, uh, this was an episode that you cut, Kelly. This is actually, Kara's talking about the uh, the bank hearing in yes, episode 209. Oh, the one where we had it. That was a damn Okay, yeah. which I still believe is one of the most exciting bank hearings ever on a, any television show uh, it was and good. bank board hearings. By uh, far. Uh, okay. You know, but the, the thing that, that got me excited and, and gets me excited not just on the set but also here is when you see performers who are so uh, in, in the scene and so real and reacting and giving every moment and was one of the things that you do so and so beautifully. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, on the show that, you know, we always, it's it's something that intuitively you might always think, well, the person who's talking is the important person. Let's just show the person who's talking. But in reality, so much of scenes are about the people reacting. So much, and so much of that scene was about your reaction <laughs> to Chuck and, and uh, it, you know. <laughs> Seething. Yes. very well. water. Rex Lynn and Rex, Rex's, Rex's, uh, and, and also, the, the, I mean, another scene, I'm just going back through favorites. Mm. Last season, you had a scene uh, which actually it was a huge lesson for me. There was a scene um, in the in the restaurant when Kim is with um, 
Howard is with is, yeah, when, is with, is with, is with you guys with her clients, and then Howard Howard yeah. comes up, mm-hmm. and it's all very subtextual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I literally under the table. I, I, there was so much, and I remember being very. I was very worried about that scene because I thought, you Were know, you? there's so much. People aren't saying what they mean, and I know that's a good thing, but I'm worried people just aren't going to get that Howard's putting Kim down, and that and that. Um, Kara's character uh, Paige is is on Kim's side, and that mm. there's, a, and it was all it was so crystal clear, and it actually that's that I always think back on that because it's given me personally more courage this season to do. Wow. I, I think we've gone even further uh, this season with doing. The, maybe we're going to go too far. Yeah. <laughs> Push uh, it. We're doing we're we're doing scenes where there's so much going on under the surface uh, that's not that's not in the dialogue that's all in because you know when you have a, this cast mm. uh we can, you guys can run with things that that uh that are just such nuances uh Bless so your heart. And, but, Thank but you. having said all that you have one of the things i first found out about you is when we cast you jenny hutchson who's a big video game fan <laughs> got very very excited why why was she excited what's the video game what's the I, I, video I'm trying game i remember now i think it was probably mass effect cuz I did yes, Mass Effect two and three. It was okay. Thank you. And um, that was such a treat for me because I actually knew Jennifer Hale, who's a massive force in the voiceover world, and she plays the female gamer. And it's one of those games where you can pick if you want to be the man or the woman. And so it got a little creepy because there were some intimate scenes that I had to play out with this person who I know really well. And so it was kind of weird <laughs> to have intimate scenes with a friend. <laughs> But it was such a treat. So Jennifer Hill was just this like awesome powerhouse that we met on another video game where there was a lot more motion capture and that kind of stuff. We flew up to Vancouver and back like five times for a game that never saw the light of day. So they that, do that. They have a they, they, they work hard on a game and it never comes out. Yeah. The know. thing is, the technology evolves so fast yeah. that it, it was like the I think what happened was the technology evolving faster than they could make the game oh, wow. and then there was also some changing of the guard at that oh, time okay. and somebody had a different vision for their where they wanted things to go gotcha. but but, so, but you, what are you i'm sorry the game uh, mass effect is it just voice work or are you actually doing the motion capture stuff so in mass effect there was it was strictly voiceover gotcha. that's right for me it was strictly voiceover in mass effect but you do both I do, yeah, oh, that, cool. which is hilarious. You go in with the little white balls all over your body, and you have to stand in like an A shape be, uh, when you begin and end, huh. so that they have sort of a model to come back to, and then, huh. you know, talk about suspension of disbelief, man. When you're holding like a a piece of wood and pretending it's a gun, and there's a block there, and that's supposed to be a mountain and an explosion. I mean, it's it's doing motion capture, full body motion capture, is the closest to kids playing pretend <laughs> in any type of work that's that I've cool. done in this industry. Interesting. No, that's really neat. I know I know nothing about this. That's really interesting. And 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 uh, Kara, can you talk about? You were so sweet to be here today. Could you talk about? Because you had a you had a prior engagement. You had to. Could you talk about what you're doing? Sure. This morning? No, thank you so much. I, I everybody was so kind here to make arrangements. I borrowed one of the writing offices so that I, I needed a quiet place where I could be alone with a strong internet connection because um, I'm doing a lot of online teaching right now. So it's with this, um, my partner is a professor at USC. Um, His name is Jeremiah O'Brien and he built this 
organization called Emerge Media. So we're teaching a host of courses through EmergeMedia.us. That's the shout out. And um, the one that I was doing today is an acting course. And so it's like a six week acting course where we go through uh, a number of stages. And it's for me, it's really cool because I, I came to LA about 10 years ago from Toronto and In my time in Toronto, I I came up as a child actor and did television shows from the age of seven. I was on a record before that, so I was singing before I was actually on television. And then I did episodes in TV movies and then went to Montreal for theater school and got proper theater training and then came back to Toronto and that's when I picked up voice work and live theater. And to me, that's part of what I offer for up and coming actors is diversify because there's so much downtime in this industry that if you're not diversifying, you're just not going to survive. So some people do it with another painting job or whatever, something more of a a regular so-called job, but I've just diversified. So I do commercials and voiceover and everything that has any kind of performance in it because that's where I live. And then coming to LA about 10 years ago, um, I just had this vision. I, I came to LA and, and saw, no offense to a, a lot of people who come up in LA, there just isn't the same um, support for training as there is in the Canadian environment that, that I grew up mm-hmm. in. It was, it was just a natural thing to, to follow through mm-hmm. to a, a prestigious theater school and get training so that you have tools to pull on when you're in those moments when you're working with a director not as fabulous as Michael, where you're just, or yourselves, where it's, you just have to translate. You know, somebody comes up and you can just see, you look in a director's eyes sometimes, the ones that aren't making it, (laughs) or you never work again after this, when they're just like fried, right? We've all seen that look in somebody's eyes where they're like- mirror, yeah. (laughs) 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 Hardly. When there's just too much, you know, and the the train is leaving and you're not on it. And I feel so bad, but there's only so much I can do. So what I can do is I can translate as opposed to trying to draw somebody's attention. Whereas Michael, for instance, was so easy, you know, and you too. It was just, it's, it's such a treat to work with somebody who can feel how confident they are in their world and that that's what they're delivering. And with Michael, it was great to be able to like, my favorite thing is to be able to go to pull to the side. Okay, I know we've got our master, but when we, just before we go into the close-ups, can we talk about like the scene and these nuances and what we're trying to get here? Cause I'm trying to say this and she's trying to say that and like getting into the meat and potatoes, the underbelly of, of what's going on. So coming back around to the training and what I was doing this morning, I just felt I got this vision of, of creating a theater school, like a rolling theater school in LA, where I could bring the kind of training that I got to something that fits the LA lifestyle, which is for actors very um, never available, kind yeah. of flaky. Like yeah. this is a lot of what we come up against. And so this has been a, a real treat to be able to finally bring the kind of training that I come from to new students. And then we've got this online play reading series that's part of what we're doing too which is also a treat we we've got hamlet coming up we just did a doll's house i took the role of eliza doolittle for pygmalion because i've never played her when that came up on our roster i was like 
I would like to throw my hat in the ring for that. So it's just a blast. It's really fun. So yeah, I took a room and taught for so an hour. So you taught a course before you came and did the podcast. Yes. Then you, then you walked in here into this room and did the doing the podcast. Yes. How does it work? Are you watching? How many people are on the other end of the thing? And can you see them? And how does that so work? So imagine it. So it's it's just a video conferencing yeah. platform. We use Zoom, and so kind of imagine like Brady Bunch images. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Whereas yeah. like I can I can leave everybody in their own world and just speak or I can bring them into the classroom as it were and have their images come up then I can relate to them and say you know Michael tell me about yourself what's your favorite movie which is kind of what today was is they get to know you week one stuff or next week they'll bring in like a commercial that they have to write and so then I'll be able to bring them in and practice it with them and say okay you know Vince it's your turn give us your 30 second commercial go Oh, wow. That's interesting. <laughs> and there can be anywhere in the world. Down. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Wow. which is part of what I enjoy about it because I feel like we can bring, for the play reading part of it, we can bring theater to places that don't have access to it or don't have access to good theater. And that's a treat. I feel like we can spread good art that oh, way. That's awesome. Good for you. That's great. You know, speaking of spreading good art, that's something that Mesa Verde has been trying to do. Nice segue. Nice segue there. <laughs> You're getting good at this. Uh, that's, that's Well, the statue, at least. There's yeah, some absolutely. good art that Mesa Verde is bringing uh, into we, the world. And we love that statue. Um, Rex's love, of, or Kevin, anyways, love of architecture. Can I just love on Rex for a minute? Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, that's him and Ray both. Like, you commented on the, 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 the nuanced work that we're able to do, but it's because we can trust each other and we love each other so much. We have caused havoc in the hotel rooms because we go and we do rehearsals, kind of private secret rehearsals. Sorry if we're not allowed to do that, but we've been doing it. That's and we'll awesome. go like take a, a conference room and like, boy, we'll just sh- shake it up. We'll be like, okay, let's do the scene, but we're like in like, theater school games we're like in a in a in a in a corridor and there's tons of wind and we'll start screaming we've had security come <laughs> in <laughs> but with that we build on on a on a trust that that we can bring to set and and know that the other person is there just because you can sense them out the side of your peripheral vision and rex and i have just got on like a house on fire right from the beginning nice. and i just love that partnership so much love to you guys from him and he had lunch with jonathan just the other day he's nice. like so so deeply involved in this family he's such he's a, a super fan he's a great guy. oh my god and ray it's just such a treat because she comes from theater too so we'll just rehearse things very much from a kind of a theater background and and play and play and play until we're we're feeling ready to bring something to set. Well, you something's guys, awesome. you guys have built this little power dynamic between the three of you, where <laughs> uh, you know where Kim. Kim and Paige sometimes are, are allies, and mm. and and uh, Rex's Rex's character is you know he's he's always he's making outrageous. He's kind of a big baby sometimes, yes, and it's agreed. just it's just there's it's it's you don't uh, upset the baby. There's so much there's so much to it, and it feels so real. Mm. Uh, it feels so real. Uh, the the chemistry between the three of you, and and not to give anything away, but this uh, this episode's not the last time uh, we see you this season. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert. Well, uh, what I'm always <laughs> struck by with Paige is is her patience, which and the way that you play her, it which keeps it very grounded. I mean, she's got to be dealing with Kevin, mm. who's kind of got his. He's kind of this outsized personality, you know, rich boy. 
ter- who turn into a man. <laughs> and and she's she's just very together and very patient. And I want to say this is the first. I mean, we've we've even with Chuck, she was patient because this is the kind of shit that she has to deal with. These you know men dismissing her her entire life. Right. And and this I, I want to say is one of the first times we've really seen her patience pushed to the breaking point and it was by Kim mm. and and I, th- I think that that the, the that's such a delicate dance and I, I I really love the way that you played this scene with her because we the scene doesn't it, it wouldn't ha- it wouldn't have that resonance if if we weren't feeling like oh shit like this she's if she's mad then this is important because this yeah. she should be mad yeah. yeah can I also say to you that you know, that's the kind of thing where they're friends and it's hard to like, I mean, once it's like, you know, you, you become friends with people that you work with, but like a lot of times, you know, when you hire your friends, it really does test that relationship. And sometimes people can go overboard and that, or boundaries get messed up. And then you're like, um, you have to kind of take your friend to the mat. And then it's like, so I thought it was handled really, really well. I, I just wanted to stick that out there. Well, thank you. I mean, and, and compliments, of course, first to the writing, because we can do nothing without, speaking of nuance, like the, the layering that has been put forward here over the course of these seasons. My husband's referred to you guys as tantric storytellers. <laughs> wow. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and I get to play out the results of that, because it's only because of how subtle the, you know, the, the, the scene when... Um, in second season, I'm sorry, I'm not good with the numbers of the of the episodes, but I'm not either. <laughs> good, no, I mean, you seriously, me. no, seriously. You know, when we're sitting there, when Kim, and Kim was having that, Ray was having that horrible day where she was coughing like crazy. It was in the outtakes reel too because she kept sneezing and coughing in between. And you know, we had our we had our moment there too, and that's what led, I think, to the amount of leeway that Paige is willing to give. Kim Mm -hmm. has its limits when it's going to step on Rex's toes or Kevin's toes then I'm sorry then that's that's as far as this goes there's there's limits and boundaries there that that got tested that's that's true yeah absolutely absolutely true I love you guys are so much fun together that was fun uh directing uh directing uh, you and Ray uh was it when two seasons ago? Gosh, when was it? When we first introduced that big giant statue? Yes, the, uh, yeah, the sculpture. Oh. Yeah, I was well, going to say fun, the same thing day. about that statue. I'm glad you guys like had that ca- that statue like cast in metal and everything. Yeah. Boy, it looks great. Well, no, actually, it, it's it's not made. It looks like it's made out of a solid steel, but it's. Uh, I'm it's, teasing. No, I'm no teasing. I, I, I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that was, was a good day when Rex and I got on set and we saw that statue. <laughs> you know, everybody's always wondering if they're going to get killed. You yeah. know, that's sort of a common thread i'm sure you're hearing every from everybody so for us when we got on set that day and we saw that statue we're like okay well if they're building a statue for mesa verde we're, we're, we're probably good yeah, for a minute yeah. here <laughs> but boy funny. i was so surprised you don't even realize sometimes while you're shooting that you are a a, a piece a, a color a thread in something so gorgeous that when when we came around and when i saw the episode and the light 
shone through the two of us after coming down through that that surreal point of view through the statue I mean you guys can't see I'm bowing I'm bowing (laughs) I I saw that I was like my jaw dropped and I was there (laughs) (laughs) we had to grab that quick because the sun was moving so fast I remember dang you caught it lightning in a bottle (laughs) truly and it's also about that statue which I I also love is that it really I love how it came to be because it started as a line in the episode where we first meet you and you and uh and Kevin and he which and, you wrote yes which yes, I wrote and and uh Kevin uh Kevin talks about uh and 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 Hamlin talk about the past book that he had as a kid because mm. he had an account at Mesa Verde and he remembered he loved the little logo on it which was a cowboy on a horse and that was just you know we put that we put that in there and it was you know it was a great little detail but then it became this physical thing yeah. that, first of all, is huge, and and it became part of the the history and the lore of the company. And I think those kind of um, the fact that it started that way, and then you see this thing come to life, and it becomes such a big part of the Mesa Verde scenes mm. in that lobby. I just think that that's very cool. So wait, that's right. So you get uh, character payments uh, because of uh, Kara. Yes, I do, and Kevin. Character Writers. payments. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, tell tell. Uh, tell so the way it works in terms of the Writers Guild is that if if in you create a character Mm. um if a character shows up in in your episode first yes um every time subsequently that that character is in the show in anybody's episode in anybody's episode uh i get a payment cool so you guys have a piece of page yes and so you and kevin have both been very good to me (laughs) (laughs) so peter peter got paid for jimmy and saul this time remember i was asking about that last time Mm -hmm. maybe gene what about gene yeah exactly Uh, george george gets uh george's george masteris uh you know who we love and uh, hasn't doesn't work on this show, unfortunately. Is still, uh, you know, Gus Gustavo Fring. Oh yeah, and, and <laughs> still getting those Tuco, checks. Tuco Salamanca, so he's he's Damn. got a few too. So like wow. that's not the payment, but I, I when we came in today, I was saying I was saying like ends my character, mama. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that's right. There was a break there. That's yes, true. that's right. That's right. And I remember even thinking about when I had to come up with names. Yeah, yeah. And, Tell us and about all that. Of that. Um, you know, it's just like with anything, you want to find something that isn't, that feels like a real, it's a real name, a real person, but something that's a little bit distinctive. And uh, I don't know. I think I, I know or I knew someone named Paige. I've always liked the name. Mm. And I don't even, I don't quite remember how I came up with it. I know that for Kevin, um, I originally, his last name is Wachtel, which is, um, my father used to work at a law firm and uh, called Wachtel, Lipton, Rosen, and Katz. And so what I was going to do is make that character Larry Wachtel for my father. I couldn't use Cherkis because we share the same name and that would be weird <laughs> to have a character with my last name. So I came up with Larry Wachtel, um, but then it didn't clear. 
So uh, we ended up going with Kevin. And, uh, but your name cleared, the name that I had come up with, Paige Novick, cleared right away, so. Mm. <laughs> wow. And of course, this, this is the episode, I'm just gonna say it, where, where we meet a new character. Yes. Uh, that's this right. Werner, Werner yes. uh, played by Reiner Bach. And that scene that you wrote yeah. and that, that Reiner, Reiner performed, he is, he is magnificent. Oh, my God. Well, that two was... scenes. Two scenes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it talks about, talk, too, about the difficulties of, of writing what is essentially the same idea of a scene that plays out in comp- radically different ways. Well, yeah. Why, why don't you first say, like, who this is? Because I'm kind of lost on this. Is this is Kelly. This, this is Chris McCaleb, and we're talking about Werner. We're talking about Werner. Werner, who is the the guy who is recruited the to German. build the super. Oh, okay, okay. Because uh, Kelly's right. You never actually yeah, say his name. That's on right. Camera. Don't, don't know who that's he is. True. Well, yeah, he does true. say he does say it at the end when he shakes hands with us. But he's got the accent, and you might not exactly pick it all up. And it's and of course we started off with Carlos Leal, who's who's also uh who's the the first the first candidate yeah. first can, candidate and he's, he's the european the, we call, the, we most, call them the, the european. most epic mic- misdirect yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. yes yes that guy comes in owns the screen yeah. and is is uh, given his walking papers yep. goodbye yeah, which is, i think one of the funniest moments of the episode where you see him Pardon, and then you next you cut to he's standing on the side of the road with the with the bag on his head. He's, he's so well sure he has the job. He's so sure yeah. he has the job. I Confident. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> and, and yeah, so talk about about writing that scene and writing the, that that character, especially with uh, with Werner. Well, I mean, really, it was about. I mean, obviously figuring out, and we all did this in the room, figuring out sort of the procedure of this, because of course Gus is, you know, very smart about covering his tracks and everything had to be done in extreme secrecy. And so there, you know, he and Mike had this whole plan worked out of how they were going to recruit and bring these people from other countries uh, to, to New Mexico to interview. And I think the biggest challenge, if if you will, is just making those two characters extremely different. We wanted one of them, you know, your European to be very slick and very confident, overconfident, we think. And then we wanted a real contrast with our next character who, you know, Gus eventually hires. And so that was hard because we wanted to find a German actor and we, you know, and, and that, was, that was a search. And, and so, uh, you know, in terms of creating the character, it was just somebody who, he was very, um, he felt, you know, he, he felt his feelings. Like he was very open and, you know, I feel sick. I didn't take the Dramamine. The, I mean, I took the Dramamine, but the <laughs> Dramamine didn't work. And you see that he's kind of like, messy and fussy and sweaty and you know he was just he's not the composed European where nothing will rattle him and so that that was fun to to create that character and then of course getting Rayner who's an incredible actor brought so much to it he is really fantastic and I I love the choice that that he's he's the in addition to being kind of nervous and sort of disheveled in, in his his uh confidence especially 
but uh, at least at first, yeah. to make him more the an- the analog guy, yeah. and not the slick digital guy who comes in there when he's just you know with his confidence and his and his, his laptop. Tools. This guy's his, got yeah. a tape measure. And he's got math and he's got, you know, hard engineering skills. Right. And, and his conclusion is, uh, I don't know. I, this is, uh, this, this, maybe this, maybe, I don't know. It's, it seems like this, maybe it's bigger, biting off more than you can chew. And it's, I love that how that's counterintuitive that that's the guy they go, okay, this guy knows how difficult this this task is. That's the guy that we want. Yeah, yeah, and he starts talking about like, you know, we have to do this from underneath so nobody knows about it. We've got to put these I-beams in to support the floor. I mean, all of it was, you know, really interesting for me to listen to. But I'm curious, when you guys were in the writer's room, and it's like, I don't want to give anything away from another episode because I don't know. Um, I'm only up to 407. Um, so it, it, why did why did they make the decision to hire this guy or why did you guys, you know, how did that come about in the writer's room? I think we, we thought a lot about what makes somebody credible. What makes, I think that Mike and Gus are looking for someone who is going to be honest and is going to do is has attention to detail and, you know, this comes out of, you know, anyone who's, you know, if you've ever ha- hired someone to do uh, remodeling mm-hmm. in your house, you know, if, if, if you know, there's always going to be someone who comes in and says, oh, sure, no problem. You know, uh, can you, could you, could you do it without us moving out? Oh, yeah, no problem. Oh, you'll be yeah. fine. You'll oh, be okay. fine. It'll be great. Yeah, it's, so it's, there, are people who will, there are people who will say anything to get a job, uh, you know, that's, and, that's, and I think we wanted... Uh, also, someone who is a contrast with Mike, because Mike is the uh, the portrait of the cool professional. He's the stoic, and we thought it would be really interesting to have a character who wore his heart on his sleeve a little bit. Um, and, and it also made sense to us as someone who Mike and Gus would uh, would hire to do this job, because you want someone. You know, it's a little bit like the scene in the westerns when uh, when John Wayne. We'll tell you. We'll tell you uh, why this cattle drive from uh, from Texas to New Mexico is impossible because you're going to have to go. You have to cross three rivers, and they're going to be Apaches. You don't think, oh, John Wayne's a wimp. It's just he's clear. He's he's clear-eyed. He knows what's ahead. Yeah. And and I think that's. I think that that's. There's a little touch of that too. And of course, Anne. Let's not forget. This is a highly technical scene. Holy crap! Yes. Uh, yes. So was... you you have a but and you have a deep background in construction, <laughs> in heavy construction, <laughs> and that's that's how you knew how to it do this, so right? It was so fortunate. It was such a great coincidence. Um, no, no, I can barely add. So um, <laughs> definitely not my area. However, um, as we do on the show. Uh, all the time is you know we do research and we get we find people who know what they're talking about and we use them Um, and in this case it was a combination of uh, Peter your assistant Dessa's husband uh, is a structural engineer and so we realize that yes so we went to him first and then uh, when we were in, pre- and, you know, so we got the dialogue to a certain point. And then when when I was in Albuquerque for prep, they they hired uh, Robin hired a consultant, another structural engineer, to come in, and we had a meeting, a specific meeting about the dialogue. And he went through it, and 
you know, to, said, well, this is wrong. Okay, this feels okay. Um, and we had that. And then we also had him there on the day we were shooting. Um, so, and, and then it was just sort of fine-tuning it to make it sound like this is a professional talking about his trade, but also something that the audience could sort of understand. <laughs> it was that, it's that fine line of making it sound real, but also so that, you know, the audience isn't confused. And he's talking to a layman. Which, yes, which makes and sense. which helped. Yeah, and, which helped. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's so interesting. Reiner, Rainer uh, comes in and he, it's his performance is so nuanced because he's talking about all this technical stuff, but he and Michael have worked it out, so it's incredibly physical. He's moving, he's you know, he's swigging, he's swigging that water, he's putting the water on his face. There's that moment when he burps. I love that. He, he burps and 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 he is he is both, you know, very human and squishy and emotional, but also, man, he really seems like he knows his shit. And that that is a it's a really special scene. Carrie, you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and 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 he he's also Reiner's also this is his first uh, his first shoot in the U.S. Wow. Uh, I I don't think he had been to the U.S. very much at all before this. I actually think he had never been. He, really? Wow. I believe One. so. I could wow. be wrong, but I think he told I, me is, that. You're correct. Is that a difficult process to bring an actor in from another country? You know, it is. And I, I all hail uh, Bialy Thomas, our, mm-hmm. uh, our our casting our casting folks, uh, Bialy Thomas and Russell uh, Scott. Uh, the they seem to know actors all over the world. Uh, but we had to we had to cast this role very early, and Sony was backed us up, uh, which was very helpful because it's it's a it's a it's a it's a tall order to bring an actor in overseas to the u.s there's mm-hmm. a lot to it it's not just plain fair the work it's visa. also the work right. visa and mm-hmm. and all those all there's a lot of back-end work that we've never done before mm-hmm. uh, this is the first time we've ever done that but we really wanted to get uh we wanted to have a wide selection of of and in fact you know we we thought back a lot to uh Breaking Bad, where we did, we had two uh, key German characters oh, yeah. uh, in that in a oh. great episode that Michelle Michelle, Michelle McLaren directed, yeah. uh, and we thought about how difficult it was to find uh, the people who who would who would play those roles, and so we wanted to cast a wider net. And Reiner is, of course, he's best known probably for uh, White Ribbon, which was uh, an Oscar-nominated film, amazing movie. Uh, and uh, he is an amazing actor, and he is, uh, he's also a very generous, nice guy who became uh, uh, everyone, everyone grew, to, grew to love very quickly. Hey, I want to hear more from Diane Mercer. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I, I actually, if, unless you have something at the tip of your tongue, I had a question. You were talking about that Band-Aid and getting things right. Is that what all those boxes were about? Was part yeah. of that about continuity and about getting yes. the texture of everything right? Yeah, yeah. What so boxes? Talk, yeah, talk uh, a bit well, no, about we that. Just, you know, as the script started coming my way this season, I just started thinking, we're moving in a direction where I think I'm going to need some research materials. Um, that are in storage at Sony. So we pulled all of our old binders, everything. 
mm. for the whole series. And we how many are we talking about roughly? Hundreds. There's wow. hundreds of binders. They're I thought all you were talking and about actual boxes, and I'm like, what did they I are boxes. No, yes, no, they're they in, were. They're in oh, boxes. Oh, oh no, they were in your the office. Bi- boxes of binders. <laughs> yes, but we're. I mean, Kelly. You, you you know how at the end of every season yep. there there are what 10 15 yep. 20 box whatever however many boxes that are I I can't I don't know the dimensions but like they're bankers boxes they're they're bigger than bankers boxes yeah they're different shape they have yeah. they're like taller and skinnier but they're very specifically sized because they're you know when these things go into storage they have to be labeled a certain way so that they can put them on the shelves and find them it's and, all and are these stored locally or are these uh, in like the no, salt I mines think in somewhere? The salt mines. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, li- and it took like two weeks to get them. And and sort of like Vince was saying <laughs> earlier, the literal salt mines. I mean, these are these are places that have been, you know, taken. temperature controlled. Yeah. Where are the salt what? mines? Don't, don't say we where can't the salt mines are. What's in the binder? What's in the binders? Uh, Why are these what's binders? In the binder? Well, I I, <laughs> uh, I am a you know, I learned very early on in my career that you can't throw anything away so computers have made this much easier but um it's every piece of paperwork we got through post-production and you know for for the run of the show so i mean it's everything it's you know it's the line scripts you know which are the scripts that the script supervisor does on set with the directors and the and the actors making notes of the coverage and the takes go helen love her uh, so much helen Helen is by the way helen greatest script supervisor and, and and I say this with utter love and sincerity. She is so freaking organized and nothing. She doesn't miss anything. And we would not know what was going on. We are in Los Angeles. The crew is in New Mexico. We don't talk all the time because people are busy. They have jobs to do. They're, they're running around on set. Helen is writing down everything she can because otherwise, I swear to God, they would run off with some camera we've never heard of and shoot something. Right. And then, <laughs> then like the director would be in doing their cut and say, well, what about this camera that I shot uh, with this footage that I desperately need? And we're like, what camera? I mean, yeah. it's I, no about? joke. Yeah. It, it's such chaos on set just trying to make your day that you absolutely must have somebody writing all this stuff down. So They're the bridge between the bridge. production and post-production. Helen right? is the bridge yeah. between production and post-production. Absolutely. And, and, so, and everything is in those notes. And so that's really important to have. But so we also have, you know, it's things like the credits and all the camera reports and the sound reports with the, right. you know, and the camera reports have notes on things like lenses, which it's been asked before. You know, we've definitely been in... Situations where somebody said, "Hey, what lens did we use in that scene four years ago wow. in this particular location?" And we've had to look it up. And God bless Helen; she has it all written down. Um, so yeah. So when 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 Saul popped up and you know in the script, I said, "Oh gosh, you know what? I don't care. We don't really have room for it, but we got to get those boxes and, back." And I, I mean. What were there? 30, 50, 20, 30, 50 boxes. There were there, so there's many probably boxes. Probably like. I think I feel like there was, yeah, there's probably 70, 75 boxes. Whole, yeah, in the office. I mean, they were lining the walls. They yeah. were there, and and you know, it's it's there. There were pieces that needed that you needed to get from all the different boxes, and they they were here for for months. Yeah, and we still we some we, we sorted here. some out that we didn't need and sent those back. But right. like the ones that all of the master binders, which have everything in one place we all of those are still here <laughs> and this is yeah. why diane is the best there is because she, nothing ever gets by her 
Exactly. Because I'm because sure, she doesn't. <laughs> I'll take. <laughs> well, as much as I mean, if if I mean, no, I mean nothing gets by her because she's yeah. so uh, uh, conscientious and 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 the attention to detail. You know, who else would have had all these boxes brought in? And, and yeah. she she cares about the story so deeply and the characters it, it, and that 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 ends up that ends up affecting the work and it means it means everyone it's it, the fact that everyone here uh, reads the scripts or watches the episodes and and has an opinion about the characters and about the scenes uh, it just means so much and it, I think it keeps us all focused and it makes it just makes the work more fun and also Diane you know it, she is a you know. A real, a real creative voice in in the Absolutely. cuts, the cuts and the sound and, and just just how the whole the whole show is presented. Uh, and it's just because it, basic, you know, it, it's just the, I can't even I can't tell you one of the things that drives me crazy, uh, even though I love it, is that we have to put our credits over the first scenes mm-hmm. in Act One. And this is something that absolutely drives me batty, especially in an episode, uh, not so much like this one, but so, we have some episodes where there's a lot of guest cast. And so the, the credits run way deep into the episode. And then we'll have these big dramatic moments and, and the editors, uh, and usually those are laid out by the assistant editor, and the editor and, and, and the assistant editor and Diane and I will watch these things and I'll tear my hair out and she will always have a solution for how to how to put these credits up and give them their due uh, while, without undermining the drama. Uh, and and, and talk it, about, they are very carefully placed. Oh. People may assume, oh, you just plop them in wherever. But they are very, I mean, within frame. I did a, uh, make it a frame later here. Make it a frame earlier. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's just one, and that's just one example. Uh, it's, 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 it, in this part of the process, uh, she is she is the, the only person with an overview of how the whole show works, and it's all it's all in her head. And uh, thank God, because <laughs> otherwise it wouldn't get done. And it's uh, uh, so anyway. This is all, all this is a tribute to Diane thank Mercer. And now we're gonna sing. No, uh, <laughs> I just want to say one thing before you wrap up because there's so many great scenes in this episode, but. And just all compliments to you and Peter, of course, for that absolutely stunningly beautiful scene in Kim's condo after Jimmy gets mugged and he comes home. And it's like the emotional center of the whole season is that scene. And it's so beautifully played and it's so beautifully written. And I just wanted to give you a little shout out for that because it's one of my favorite scenes of the whole season. The whole series, probably. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it was really it's. You know, especially this season um, where, and I'm, this is not a spoiler, I mean, we, we know that Jimmy is, um, he's very cut off from from himself, you know, and he's living in this state of denial. And so to have this moment where he actually does let it all, let his guard down for a little while, and he actually does open up to Kim. And it is this moment where you think, I think in that in that scene, Kim, the character of Kim is thinking, oh God, maybe this is great. Maybe he's gonna go see the shrink. Maybe he, this is gonna, he's gonna try to help himself and fix himself and deal with Chuck's death. And, you know, we're all rooting for him to do that. They and have such so, a connection. It's like yeah, the, it's the first it, real connection it, yeah, that we've seen them I think even this like talk about season things, maybe you know? so far yeah. and and I maybe mean, ever honestly because they're not characters who talk about themselves no, or their feelings or, no. or anything. You know? And I think you know a 
I mean, obviously, so much of that goes to, you know, Ray and Bob and how they're just, they're so good together and they've clearly worked now for years yeah. together. And, yeah. you, you know, you feel it. Them. And it was, I mean, I loved watching Bob be so vulnerable and it, it yeah, it was. Yeah, it was great. It was so. great. It's it's not what it's not a scene you expected uh, no. from a show called Better Call Saul. Exactly, it's, it's, uh, and I I couldn't agree more, Diane. I think it's a great scene to spotlight because and 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 then the whole back half of the scene when they sit down together on mm-hmm. the bathtub is one long take mm-hmm. of the two of them just sitting there and, and being so real, and that's and maybe that's that's one of the things I'm most proud of is is how the relationships between these characters are so so intimate and so real and uh, boy I'll tell you it worries the hell out of me about what's going to happen to Jimmy me and Kim. Me too. I'm worried about that. So worried. Totally. Well, I mean, we'll we have all to find are. out next week. Wait, Maybe I, we'll find out a little bit more. I want to say one more thing aside from the fact that you guys are doing such a great job. I just want to bring up the uh, well, I know you're going to talk about this in a future podcast is um and with Thomas Golovich all the music is just fantastic. But me and Vince, we love Jackie Brown, and it was <laughs> so true. cool to see Street Life on this montage. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was that was uh, yeah. I, I agree completely. No, oh, is that is that what Thomas was talking about on a future podcast that, that you haven't heard yet? <laughs> when he was saying there was a oh, you guys weren't even in the room that there was another montage. That and then he didn't realize that it was a song that had been featured in a movie. Yep, is that this? I don't know. Um, I wasn't there on that. Well, Street Life's definitely featured in uh, definitely featured in Jackie Brown. When is I, this well, the original version of Street Life? Oh. This is it, right? When this, I heard yeah, this it, is I think a slightly different version. Oh, this is actually, different Street Life preexisted yes. Jackie Brown. It was original. This version was done for a movie that Burt Reynolds directed called Sharky's Machine. Oh. Uh, and so then it went. It was in Jackie Brown, which is a movie we all we all love. It's terrific, and actually, yeah, I, I could tell more Robert stories. Forster. more stories about that. I didn't uh, know that Peter, because I, I just know that you that me and Vince, anytime Jackie Brown comes up, we just start riffing on the on the dialogue. So I didn't know you did that too. Shoot, I've oh damn. well, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I got I got to spend a lot of time with Pam Greer. This is uh, this is ah. this is this is this is. I won't get into this war story right now, but I wrote a movie that was based on a, a portion of Pam Greer's life. It, it never got never got produced, but she is she is a uh, and she she this was after Jackie Brown was produced. We talked a lot about Jackie Brown, and she is a by the way Pam Greer. Those of you if you don't know who she is, you Google her. She is she is a remarkable actress. She is uh, also just she's a real honest to God movie star. Uh, and 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 she is she is a, she's also a wonderful person, uh, very generous, smart, with an amazing oh my god, what an amazing story! So we'll get her on the show. We should. We should get, <laughs> absolutely. Let's get let's get Pam Greer on the show. Well, speaking of Pam Greer, uh, we have to <laughs> wrap this up. Uh, God, we're all, all over the place. Terrible segue. Terrible segue. <laughs> um, no, I, uh, I obviously. I'm sure Pam there's, Greer there's... would knock out the end of this podcast. Yeah. See, this is why you're a professional, <laughs> and I am but a humble podcaster slash editor. Um, well, thank you guys for coming in on a, on a Saturday, and uh, as we record this, it is. Uh, 
couple days before episode three airs. So we're, we're, we're not that far ahead on, on this one. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate you guys coming in and talking and sharing all these insights. And thank you, Peter and Vince, as always, and Joey for coming in. Thank you. Um, thank, thank you so much. And it's thank you guys for listening. And we end every episode with one of our guests. And I, there's, it's pretty obvious who should be doing it. And that's I don't you, know, Kara. Because I think you, Anne, have a, a closer vocal quality to, to Bob. Really? Oh, I don't. I, I, I mean, we could, you could also do it at the same time. Because we've never oh. done that. This could be a, f- oh, a podcast first. Yes. And you do your best. Your <laughs> best gotta do it, gotta end, do it into the, end, end it right into the mic. No, end I know. End of the commercial. I know. End of the, the Better Call Saul. Your best Bob Odenkirk Better Call Saul. All right. And Ready. until next week. Better Call Saul. Woo! Yay. That was like the best one yet. That was awesome. I like that one.